It's now time for Talkin' Boxing with Billy C. It began as a podcast, went live on the net, and transformed into a full-blown empire. It's the only daily boxing talk show on the planet, hosted by the only guy with the balls to do it. Many have stepped into the ring. Many have tried to take the belt. And one by one, they've fallen. Another victim of the undisputed heavyweight champion of Boxing Talk Radio. Talking Boxing with Billy C is on now. My style is impetuous, my defense is impregnable, and I'm just ferocious, I want your heart. And we're coming to you live under snowy skies again from my Lake George studio in from my Billy C studio in Lake George, New York. I'm Bill Calagero, and it's time for the Billy C Show. Good morning, good day, good evening. I hope you're not getting as much friggin' snow as we are. Today's show is being brought to you in part by Sal's Neighborhood Pizzeria, an Italian restaurant located on beautiful St. Simons Island in Georgia. Check out the website, www.salsneighborhoodpizzeria.com. I'll give my man a call, 912-268-2328, 912-268-2328. Find out why I go all the way to St. Simons to get a decent Italian meal. And speaking of St. Simons, as far as I know, join us next week. Is it next week already? Yeah, next week, January 19th. Is it next week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I don't know. No, January 19th. I guess it's the week after. Yeah, yeah, it's the week after. I, I don't know. January 19th at the Sea Palms Resort. Join me and Sal and some uh, former world champions and maybe even a special guest, which we'll announce later in the week, uh, for our next Billy C event. Uh, we will be uh, showing you not one, not two, not three, but four classic fights. You'll be part of our live audience as we record our next episodes of Billy C's Boxing Revisited. Come on, we'll have some food for you, a cash bar. You'll love it. Make the plans now. Bring the whole family. It's a Friday night. You'll have the whole weekend. It's a great place to be, Poms. Go to the website, cpoms.com, and call them up and tell them you want the Billy C event. And also, today's show is being brought to us in part by... My book, Tom Molino, From Bondage, The Baddest Man on the Planet, is available right now where all good books are sold. And you can get a copy of this book right now while you're watching or listening to the show. Just visit barnesandnoble.com or amazon.com. Find out why I'm so adamant about uh, getting my man Tom Molino's story told. Um, coming up uh, a little bit later, I... I Dax Khan is scheduled to join us. Uh, he's got some uh, thoughts on television networks. Um, I got uh, some news to talk about, some scheduled fights, some unscheduled fights, some emails to read, some sports scores, the NFL playoffs, the national championship game. Can't wait for that tonight. Um, but uh, first, uh, today's main topic that I'm going to kick off the show with is uh, Anthony, pa uh, I'm sorry, Anthony Joshua. And Joseph Parker should be, for all intents and purposes, should be announced this week. I know we've been talking about it. Oh, it's any day now. Oh, it's definitely not. Blah, blah. But uh, according uh, to multiple reports, 
um, David Higgins, who's the uh, um, promoter for Duco Events. He's the co-promoter of uh, Joseph Parker. He's on a plane right now, 26-hour plane ride from the land down under uh, to England to meet with uh, uh, to meet with uh, uh, Hearn, Eddie Hearn, uh, to get the final uh, stages. According uh, to uh, Higgins, uh, Eddie Hearn and he have uh, pretty much cut the deal. The uh, revenue split was agreed on. Uh, bottom line, Anthony Joshua getting two-thirds and uh, uh, Joseph Parker getting one-third of the uh, total revenue. Uh, the date is set. It's most likely going to take place March 31st. Uh, the venue has not been set. Uh, they are looking uh, most uh, uh, leading towards a U.K. venue uh, with uh, uh, a possibility of it being in Wales. There's uh, one thing. There's a couple of minor promotional rights that they want to talk about, but there is one major thing that has not been decided yet, and that, boys and girls, is the American television rights. It gets a little uh, confusing here, but first, joining me, all the way from St. Simons, he just tied up his horse. Boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, Crazy Horse from F2. Oh, no, 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 not Crazy Horse from F2. Sal, Rocky Senecola. What's up, Sal? There you snow again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's snowing again. Yeah, I can't take it. You know, I, I looked out hey, the window. Man, that was some great. We, Billy and I were on the phone earlier doing some trivia, man. I, let me tell you, that was Crazy Horse. That was the one we were missing from you know, the F Troop cast. You no, know, it's, fu it's funny. I, uh, I hadn't realized it was snowing as profusely as it is until <laughs> until I had you on the phone, and then uh, all of a sudden uh, it's I, I look out the studio window and she's a snowing like a crazy. But uh, well, I, I did I did I did the uh, Hakawi's uh, 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 snow dance for That's you. That's right, the Hakawi's <laughs> snow dance. Who was the who was that sad ass medicine man too? Oh, I forgot his name. Sitting Bull something. Yeah, sitting something. Uh, sitting on a john. Yeah, sitting, sitting. Maybe. I think it was sitting something. But sitting anyway, something. But he was the medicine man. Uh, but what trivia we had? Captain Palmetier. That was Ken Berry. Yeah, he was right? a he was a Disney guy. He went on to sto uh, star in a lot of Disney movies. But uh, yes, he did. I think he looked like he could. And I and, and uh, you know what? I think. That Sarge, Calamity Jane, she was the hot blonde. Oh, that's right, that's right, that's right, Calamity Jane. Hey, I, you know what? I think getting back to boxing, I think that Sarge was a boxer. I think he was a fighter, wasn't he? I think he was. Forrest Tucker was was a fighter. I think he was always beating up on Agarn, Larry Storch. Larry Storch, yeah. As a matter of fact, coaches put in Larry Storch in the chat room. But anyway. I'm um, back right. to boxing a back, bit. Back to reality. Um, Anthony Johnson, Joseph Parker. We've been talking a lot about that. Um, the television, American television rights aren't set yet. And here's here's some of the, the dicey situation with that, Sal. Showtime, which had a contract with Anthony Joshua, um, is uh, has a matching right for one more of his fights under their existing contract. HBO has been uh, really uh, uh, reaching out and, and has uh, what they term as major interest uh, in Anthony Joshua. And they need to do something 
and they also have uh, an exclusive contract with Eddie Hearn's uh, Daniel Jacobs, who signed with uh, Eddie Hearn uh, uh, at the end of last year. And uh, they also uh, uh, televised uh, Parker's fight uh, against uh, Andy Ruiz in December. Now, the third uh, piece of the, the puzzle here is Bob Arum because he's a co-promoter of Joseph Parker and he wants to fight on ESPN. So, I, I mean, because he had said that long-term deal with them. So here we got a, a pretty dicey situation. It sounds like Anthony Joshua owes a right to uh, broadcast on Showtime. HBO is trying to get back uh, as being in the mix, so to speak, because I know everybody talks about HBO, but they clearly fell off uh, the uh, the map, so to speak, I think, last year. Uh, and uh, ESPN has, has stepped up and brought us some great fights, so it's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens. Where do you think uh, this fight should end up? I think it'll end up on Showtime. Showtime or HBO. I think ESPN, although it would be great to have it on, on ESPN, uh, I think it's going to be uh, a, a venue that uh, Showtime is going to go after, and uh, HBO will try to try to put it in their budget to go after as well. Yeah, I think HBO is going to uh, sweep. They're going to the pull a four court press. They're going to want to put put all. It's it's going to be a double down bet for HBO. I, I I think HBO needs to get a major fighter uh, under a long term deal. Uh, Daniel Jacobs is a great fighter, but he's not a major fighter. Heavyweights are major fighters, and uh, as you can see, um, uh, they're making a play for uh, um, Anthony Joshua, which I think uh, makes uh, is a smart move. The, the issue is yes. going to be Showtime. You know, maybe they have to agree to sign a deal after this fight. I, I don't know. It's going to be interesting to see uh, how the uh, cards shake out. But one thing I'm really curious to see is what's the story with uh, Deontay Wilder? Deontay Wilder, I mean, the two fights in the heavyweight division that we were looking forward to uh, was Anthony Joshua-Joseph Parker unification fight, and then, of course, Deontay Wilder uh, fighting Luis Ortiz, uh, you know, when they went through their whole WWE shtick uh, at yes. uh, Anthony Joshua's last fight, if you want to call it that, uh, a demolishing of uh, Bermain Verne. And... I wonder why this fight hasn't been in the press. Um, you know, it's a fight that, in my opinion, has to be signed, sealed, and delivered uh, and take place right around the time of uh, Anthony Joshua, Joseph Parker, because the the facts are the facts. I mean, after uh, these two fights, or Wilder and Ortiz and Parker and AJ, we're going to want to see the two winners fight each other. What, what's your thoughts on the official announcement of uh, Wilder Ortiz not coming as soon as I think it should. Bill, like I was saying at the towards the end of last week's show and, and off air to you, I mean, that's the hard time I have with, with fighting today versus boxing in the 70s and 80s. When fighters who wanted to fight each other, truly wanted to fight each other, <laughs> there was no... There was no uh, uh, subterfuge. They they sat down at the table. They got it done. And next thing I know, we knew they were signed to fight each other. And the promotion started, grassroots and all. It came out. Whether it was Aaron, whether it was King, whether it was Duva, whether it was anybody. These guys wanted to fight, and, and that was it. Because they wanted to prove who was the baddest guy on the planet. And they weren't afraid to put it up or shut it up. And 
that's the hard time today, understanding how the fights are orchestrated and eventually made uh, uh, years after the fact. Because here we've been talking about fights like this, and, and we're still not given privy to what the status is, let alone that the contract is signed, sealed, and going to be delivered. Um, and the truth of the matter is, if Deontay Wilder wanted to fight Anthony Joshua as much as they both claim they would, uh, that fight should have been signed, sealed, delivered as well. Um, you know what I'm talking about. You were there. You know when 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 uh, Ali called out this one or someone had called out Ali, boom! The next thing we knew, the fight was in the making. Uh, it's just not the same thing today. Um, so it's frustrating, and I think there's going to be some uh, talk that uh, is holding the Deontay Wilder uh, Ortiz fight from happening. Hopefully, we'll hear some rumblings about it this week, and and maybe by the end of the week, we'll get something s solid that we can uh, start uh, start looking forward to. Well, the, the 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 truth of the matter is, is that fight had been tentatively set yes, uh, for yes. early March on Showtime, but I have heard no official announcement of it yet. Um, you know, they had talked about the date. Um, I, I'm pretty sure right after, uh, not maybe a week to ten days after. Uh, um, Deontay Wilder destroyed Bermain Stavern. But, I, you know, there, there's no official announcement. And, and that brings me to the next thing. Deontay Wilder, I caught this article, and normally I don't promote uh, other uh, articles other than what's on ours or anything, but I caught this uh, uh, article that um, basically is giving the author of the article, Brian Mazikiu, I think is how you pr pronounce his last name, and, and I apologize, uh, Mr. Mazikiu or Brian, if, if I'm destroying it. But he put out an article about the five reasons, in his opinion, why um, Deontay Wilder isn't a big name in the sport of boxing. And he feels he should be, but he yeah. defines why he's not. And he gives... Uh, uh, some interesting reasons, and I can't agree with this guy more. First of all, um, Deontay Wilder, as we all know, is the WBC heavyweight champion. He's undefeated, thirty-nine and zero with thirty-eight knockouts. Six foot seven, two hundred and twenty-pound guy. Um, as as Brian puts it, he looks more like a a, a, a third a first baseman in baseball. Uh, an NFL tight end or or a forward in, in the NBA, and I've always said, Sal, that I feel that have. he's got the body of an N NBA player. I mean, he does. You know, he really does. I mean, he's big, he really he's does. strong. He is an athletic guy, although he he rarely shows that to us. Um, you know, he's an American fighter. Um, you know, he he wants to know, you know, uh, why, um, you know, he's not a big deal, and just to, for numbers' sakes. Anthony Joshua, not that this makes or breaks a fighter, but Anthony Joshua has uh, 1.8, slightly lower than 2 million Twitter followers. Wilder has less than a quarter of a million at 238. Um, you know, 80,000 people, 90,000 people come and see uh, Anthony Joshua live. And, uh, you know, the Barclays Center where uh, uh, Deontay Wilder fought uh, had trouble getting 11,000 in there. Didn't even come close to selling out, um, you know, at, at, at 18,000 seats. And, and everybody's wondering why uh, Wilder uh, should get 50-50 split when the drawing power is, is pretty clean. Sal, hold the thought because I got his five reasons 
that I want to go over with you. Yeah, because you're going to be impressed just like I was. We're going to take a short break. When I come back, I got the five reasons uh, why Brian Mazakew and I, because uh, I agree with him, uh, are giving for while why Deontay Wilder is not as big of a name as he seems to think he is. We'll be back in two. Billy C. We'll be right back. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us. And uh, just before I went to break, I was talking about an article that I caught uh, written by uh, a guy named Brian uh, Mazikew. Never heard of him. Sorry, Brian. But I agree with his five reasons why Deontay Wilder isn't a big name in, in the sport of boxing, at, at, at least compared to Anthony Joshua, who seems to be uh, a guy who's got global recognition. Deontay Wilder doesn't even, he's not even known uh, at the, in New York, where he, he, he calls his second home, the Barclays Center. The first one of these five major factors, according to him, and uh, this is why none of us believe that Deontay Wilder will ever get a 50-50 split. Um, unrefined technique for most of his career uh, is what Brian says. He says early in Wilder's career, he wasn't the most aesthetically pleasing fighter to watch. Truth be told, he was wild and seemingly very vulnerable if he ever come up against a truly elite heavyweight. Many fight fans placed him in a box uh, four or five years ago. He's come a long way since his early days, but many in the boxing community still don't appear to be high on his skill level. Um, as far as I that's know you concerned, agree with that. well, as far as that's concerned, I don't know if I agree with that. I, I, I think okay. that the problem I have with Deontay Wilder and his style is that, and, and it's contradictory to what he says, Sal. He claims that he's the best heavyweight in the world. He claims he's had a tougher road to where he is today than Anthony Joshua. However, when he fights, and he's only done it twice, in what I think a, a you know refined, let's use the same choice of words, a refined uh, technique is only when he fought Berman Stavern, as he displayed using a jab and, and setting up his power punches, you know, his right hand used movement, stuff like that. He's never used that against other fighters. The other fighters, he goes in, seek, and destroy. If he thinks that he could do that just with the fighters that he thinks are good, that's a bad habit to get into because during training, you would think that this is a guy who thinks he's better than every guy he gets in the ring. Uh, what's your thoughts on on uh, uh, Brian's uh, unrefined technique for most of his career as uh, one of the five reasons uh, why Deontay's not as big as he should be. Well, you know, I, I don't know if that if I agree 100% with that. I do agree that that is classifying Deontay Wilder in the right picture. But I don't know if I agree that that's one of the reasons why he's not so popular. Because what he does do, he does give knockouts. He does give uh, 
his fan base an opportunity to to be electrified because you never know which punch is going to do it. Um, so his style, it may not be pretty, but it's effective. And uh, as far as him being unrefined and wild, yeah, it's synonymous with his name, Wilder. I mean, he, he's he's he punches from all angles. Uh, he doesn't do much by the textbook. And, you know, like I'm saying, I, I, I think having a trainer uh, and someone that was so well-schooled and so polished in Mark Breland and, and what he did in the ring, fundamentally sound technique and, and established uh, credibility uh, as far as having a skill set. You know, I, other than money, I don't think he'd be wasting his time uh, on, on top of a, a heavyweight unless he thought he had the potential to come around. We just haven't seen that side of uh, Deontay Wilder coming around, and hopefully Mark Breland is is working on that skill set to teach him some of the fundamentals that Wilder's going to need when he steps into a ring with a real bona fide, uh, legitimate, uh, world class opponent like Anthony Joshua. And uh, uh, so, I still say that Deontay Wilder is a dangerous fight for a multitude of reasons, no matter what his style, uh, but. Is it pretty? Is it this? Would it be enough to keep him down? I don't know if that one element alone is enough to keep him out of the, the notoriety or the publicity or the fan base wanting to see more from him. I, I don't agree with that 100%, but I do agree that, that he is 100% correct that Deontay Wilder has a kind of style you cannot really depict as, uh, as you would like to see pretty boxer. Yeah, I mean, nobody ever said he was pretty. I mean, what makes him no. exciting is his knockout power. But, but I, I, for for the most part, I think it's more of a habit. You know, if he does have the technique, and he's only you know employing it when he feels he needs to, that's a habit that he's developing. And um, you know, you would assume he's not going to take AJ. Uh, lightly when he fights him, and I no. hope he doesn't take Luis Ortiz lightly either. Even though Ortiz is probably five years older than they, we think, um, but uh, but that's one of the reasons. The second reason, which I think is a BS reason. Yeah, I, I'm not so sold on that one reason. As far as like I said, maybe cumulatively it all adds up, but because he's not an exciting fighter in the sense where I. I was never drawn to to follow him or watch him. Uh, uh, I am now because I know he's he's seriously going to be recognized and having to step up and one day fight a fighter like Anthony Joshua. But uh, you know, with that being said, uh, there's more reasons than just that reason alone that can bona fide and be established why he's not as popular as Anthony Joshua. But go on. Well, continue, here's some more like reasons. Here, number two. Here's some more reasons according to, to, to the article. Um, and, and this one, I think, is a total BS reason. He says his opponent's anti-doping violations. He says Wilder has had terrible luck with opponents. He's had three of them fail pre-fight drug tests, and the delays have cost him potential momentum and as much as two years of production and earnings. Uh, he faced and knocked. It, had he faced and knocked out Luis Ortiz, Alexander Povetkin, uh, Andres Warwick, the narrative the, the narrative might have been different uh, for Wilder. Um, I don't know about this. You know the uh, <coughs> excuse me the Alexander Povetkin fight that turned out to be a false um, result. The Luis Ortiz was blood pressure medicine. You know, I, he could have picked some other top guys, but he didn't. He always picked a slug. 
And, I, you know, the truth of the matter is, is, um, you know, I, I, I just, I think that, I think some of those were already predetermined. I think that he already knew that Ortiz was going to fail. He already knew Povetkin was going to fail. Um, I, I don't know. I've heard many opinions on that. And, and you know, uh, one of them is, is uh, one I lean towards um, was that it was all predetermined. I, I don't know. I don't know. It just seems awfully fishy to me that, you know, you fight, you, you, you go to sign a fight, and, and you would think that if there's so much money on the line that you would take some uh, precautions. You know, hey, listen, we're thinking about bringing you in, Mr. So-and-so, to fight. Uh, we are going to have Olympic-style testing. Can you pass them? You know, uh, you know when, when you got that much money on the line, I mean, if you say, well, not right now, or yes, I think I can, and then all of a sudden you get, you know, uh, you test positive for something you didn't even know you were taking. I don't know. It just seems... I don't know enough about the uh, uh, PEDs to really comment, but I, I don't know. I don't know if I use that as a legit excuse. What, what about you? Now, see, you and I are, are on the first two reasons, uh, maybe opposite. Now, I do believe that because, see, when, when a fighter is on a roll or a fighter has momentum and a fighter wants to be seen and they sign a deal or they're supposed to have something take place, and then all of a sudden it's canceled, and all of a sudden again it's next one's canceled. Yeah, you lose that steam. You lose that momentum. You're a commodity, Billy C., when you are on top of the world like that. And your fan base or other people are counting on you. The promoters, the managers, the trainers, guess what? They all want paydays, and the only way they're going to do it is when you get fight, when you fight and you get paid. So, so having had consecutive fights that never came about, or never materialized because of whatever reason, that slows down the progress, that slows down the momentum, and it slows down and discredits or ruins the credibility of, well, you know, is this guy for real? What's going on? Yeah, nobody wants to fight him. Uh, that's a reputation. Oh, well, I'm not going to look forward to it. Ah, it's not going to happen. Uh, maybe, oh, well, he'll fight next month. We'll see him. Oh, it's canceled again. It does disrupt the continuity of a progression of a natural course of a champion. Uh, to establish and, and have his fans. So consecutively, yeah, nobody wants to be involved with that drama. Nobody wants to see that happen. And that's what we were given from Deontay Wilder. So I will use that as one instance of the credibility factor of why maybe he's not so much in demand because we don't know what to get. Well, I'm a little, I'm a little confused. Do you mean that you're not buying that as an excuse or that no, is a good that excuse? I am buying. I'm buying that as partial. Cumulatively, there's going to be five. I would look at this second reason a little bit more at a, at a, at a snapshot and being credible reason of a credible reason than the first reason. I, I, my thought is just, you know, I, you 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 gotta you gotta you gotta pick an if, if Luis first of all Luis Ortiz was a guy who failed a drug test before, so did Pavetkin. They both had a, they both had a history of it. You know, so if you're going to sign a fight like like that, you, you need to take the precautions to make sure they're going to pass, number one. But more importantly, have a backup plan, not some slug that you got to, you know, uh, beg to come in and, and, and replace somebody. I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm not crazy about this as, an, as a reason. Uh, you know, I, I have a simple uh, explanation for why he's not as big 
uh, as you know, we all think he should be in terms of uh, public recognition. But I'll get to that at the end. I'm going to take a short uh, break here, and then when we come back, we'll finish up. I got three more reasons that uh, Brian uh, Mazakew, who wrote an article. Uh, on what he thinks are the five reasons Deontay Wilder is not as big of a name as he should be. Uh, I'll read those, uh, the last three, uh, in about two. Billy C will be right back. Now back to Talkin' Boxing with Billy C, the only radio host man enough to take a punch from Mike Tyson. Wait a minute, man. Hold, hold, hold on there. Jeremy, man, uh, I need you to take this one, all right? Wait, what? What? No way. I, I, I can't do this. Need I remind you I'm Billy C., damn it? Now put on that mustache and get in there. Hey, hey, look at me. I'm Billy C. <laughs> Crap. The undisputed heavyweight champion of boxing talk radio. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're listening to the Billy C. Show. Don't forget to join Sal and myself on Friday, January 19th for our next Billy C. Boxing event. It's going to be taking place uh, at the beautiful, beautiful, I'm starving, I need some food, man, at the beautiful resort in St. Simon's Island, uh, the Sea Palms. Uh, so go to cpalms.com, give them a call, and tell them you want to be part of the Billy C. event. It's January 19th. We will be showing you not one, not two, not three, but four classic fights uh, on the big screen. We will have some food for you. We'll have a cash bar. You'll get to mingle with some former world champions and some special guests. You'll have a great time. If you've been to one of our events before, you know that already. If not, it's time. Bring the family down for a weekend. Our events are Friday night. We are going to crash uh, Sal's place, so you'll be able to check out uh, the food I keep talking about over at Sal's. Uh, so, hey, make a weekend. It's our after-the-holiday holiday party, so come on down and uh, have some fun. Sal and I are in the middle of giving the five reasons, uh, according to Brian uh, Mazakew, why uh, Deontay Wilder isn't the big name that he should be. Uh, I'm on the uh, third one right now. He says he isn't polarizing. Uh, Wilder appears to be a pretty nice guy. Most media folks who interact with him believes he's a solid interview and pleasant overall. Fans don't seem to despise him, but America hasn't embraced him either. Uh, per some websites, Wilder implied that if he were a different color, he'd probably be more accepted. Uh, that's not inconceivable, but probably not true. His personality simply isn't that interesting to most people, and that's a real shame. If he were a raving lunatic, always spewing controversial rhetoric, he'd be more popular and must see TV, even if it were for all the wrong reasons. See, now I see that's what he does now. That's my impression. He says uh, if he were a different color, he may not need to be all those things because there would be a novel quality to his reign as champion. For example, white heavyweight champions are are an extreme rarity. The last time the sport saw one was 24 years ago uh, when the late Tommy Morrison held a WBO title. If Wilder were white, would he be more popular? It's hard to argue against the concept, but it's certainly not the prevailing factor. I, I totally disagree with that. I, I, I totally think I think too. that the... Uh, so, so far, the first three reasons Brian has given, I disagree with. Um, I think the reason that... 
uh, he isn't interesting to people is he's always pounding his chest. He's always saying he's the best, and he's yet to really prove it based on his resume. I, I hate that the guy even brought in color because that is yeah, always the excuse that they make. You know, I, I, I just – listen, the sport the, – the, I hate to say it, but as far as the sport is concerned – there's better black fighters than there are white fighters. And you make you can make an argument yeah. that there's better Hispanic Absolutely. fighters than there are black fighters. I mean, we could get into this, but the truth of the matter is why? Does it really matter? You know, the people that draw the color line, the people that say, it, it reminds me of a commercial I used to watch when I was a kid. And it was a, a, a grandfather talking to his grandson. And his grandson says to, to him, hey, grandpa, my friend says I'm prejudiced. And his, the grandfather says, why? And he said, or Tommy says I'm prejudiced. Why? He, and who's Tommy? No, he goes, he goes, Tommy says I'm prejudiced. And the grandfather says, who's Tommy? And, and the kid says, Tommy's one of my Jewish friends. And the grandfather says, well, then you are prejudiced. Because if you weren't, you would just refer to Tommy as your friend and not one of your Jewish friends. And the truth of the matter is, is it's the same. You know, why can't we give fighters credit for being good and not have to throw in the color? I don't like that he used this as an example. No. What's your thoughts, Sal? No, I, I do. And you know what? I, I could just say off the cuff without doing any kind of investigation, I'm sure there have been many more black heavyweight champions than white heavyweight champions. And the bottom line is every one of those guys, not everyone, but had popularity uh, that they earned. And, you know, it's almost like, remember after Ali, Larry Holmes spent half of his time as a heavyweight champion saying that he's still in the shadow of Ali and he doesn't get the respect or he, 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 he's still not recognized or, you know, nobody wants to see a whiner or somebody complain or somebody be up there on that level and live in a shadow or try to, you know, just be anybody else but themselves. And I think Deontay Wilder, has more problems than not as far as trying to be the kind of people's champion, no matter what color, race, or creed, uh, that people are drawn to and, and attracted to because there's something unique and special about him. I think that's the charismatic factor that you know some fighters have and some fighters don't. Mike Tyson had the shock appeal. Uh, even even uh, there's, there's been many, many fighters on that level that automatically draw a fan base and are exciting to watch. And for whatever reason, uh, Deontay Wilder has not really captivated the audience and has attracted that many people other than what he has as far as his own little sphere of influence and his fan base. And, you know, there's, a, there's, there's other reasons, but that's not one of them. Color, race, creed has nothing to do with why he's not popular. I agree. It's just an excuse. Um, yes. The fourth reason he has, I do agree with. He says he's poorly promoted. Uh, he says with everything Wilder brings to the table, there's no reason Showtime and Lou DiBella shouldn't be pushing him at every possible opportunity. Once his fights have a date, Showtime should be running countdowns to Deontay Wilder's on their network. It doesn't happen. The Twitter accounts of uh, Lou DiBella and DiBella Entertainment don't have the requisite references to Wilder. If you scroll through Lou's Twitter feed, there's exactly one reference to Wilder from Saturday morning dating back as far as November, uh, and it was a retweet from someone comment commenting on an article. 
Uh, DeBella's Entertainment's account talks up Wilder only right before and immediately after his fights. It's not enough. He's the only American heavyweight champion, and his promoters and his network treat him as if he's just another fighter. Early on, it seemed as if they protected him a great deal from real challenges, almost as if they weren't complete believers in in his own skill level. Now that he's risen as high as he can without being regarded as the top draw at heavyweight in the world, it's like his team doesn't know what to do with him from a promotional standpoint. See, now I agree with this 100%. Lou DiBella doesn't promote anybody. Lou DiBella, he's got all these fighters under contract, and the guy is one of the worst promoters in terms of promotion that I've ever seen. Yes, he signs the fights. Yes, he's a puppet for Al Heyman. Yes, he puts on a lot of shows, et cetera, et cetera. But he doesn't actually promote his fighters. You know, that's the problem. I've said this many, many times before. Promoters don't promote anymore. I 100% agree with this one. What do you think, Sal? Uh, Well, we are on the same side of this aisle because I'll tell you what, Bill. I agree 100% there, too. Like I said, uh, I keep referring back to some of the early days that you and I were involved in actively when I was a fighter. And, and they're just – you cannot beat the grassroots promotion. And, you know, when you get a fighter that evolves to the level of Deontay Wilder, it's due to a, a, a many reasons. And, and, you know, he should even be coached. But he should be promoted. There should be a there should be a story about. It. I don't know anything about Deontay Wilder. I don't know what it is about Deontay Wilder. I never heard a story about Deontay Wilder. We should we should hear a tag story or what makes this guy special or what did he do to, to where was he when he when he decided he wanted to be a fighter? What was it? Was he uh, bullied uh, in, on the schoolyard because he was tall and lanky and did he have to defend himself? I mean, some story that you could stick, you can analogize, you can associate. You could say, wow, I like this fighter. Here's his story. Or this is what happened here. And, and you know, like ABC in the 70s and 80s, they were great with fighters when they did the network TV. And they would say, hey, we're going to show you this guy, showcase, up close and personal. Here's what happened. So you identified something. There was, there was something that fans could associate. And um, let me tell you about it. A lot of fans like to live vicariously through their fighters, and they see something that they can identify and personalize. Wow, you know what? I understand him. He understands me. That's the kind of thing that we don't see today in a game of boxing. I uh, also agree with his fifth reason, and his fifth and final reason says he's lacking the definitive victory. Wilder has an amazing record, but he really hasn't beaten anyone of note. Up to now, his best win came over Stavern twice. The first one was nice. It brought him his world title, but the second one only took place because Ortiz failed the pre-fight drug test. Two wins over Stavern isn't enough to make Wilder a star. If he's going to turn the corner, he needs to win a series of fight over the best in the division. If that happens, there'll be no way to deny him what he's earned. And that's basically... The bottom line, Sal, if this guy had a definitive victory under his belt, there'd be no argument. You know, uh, his his next fight against Luis Ortiz is going to be a big win for him should he come out on top. But the naysayers are going to say Luis Ortiz is 150 years old and Luis Ortiz hasn't even been busy in the last several years. Uh, So I'm not sure he'll get the credit he deserves even with a win over Ortiz. But to be honest with you, should he win a, a fight against uh, Luis Ortiz, uh, you'd have to give him some credibility. I still don't think he's a 50-50 split-worthy fighter against Anthony Joshua. And if he doesn't come to his senses, the guy's going to be making under $2 million forever. The only way this guy can get into the uh, next level of, of uh, uh, purse, purses is if he uh, shuts his mouth, fights, 
uh, AJ uh, takes the, the money they offer him and then use that as a stepping stone, never to fight for less than what he makes against the first AJ fight. Because you know he's going to get two fights against AJ. Uh, but uh, of these five, I agree with the poorly promoted and lacking definitive victory, Sal. Yeah, Bill, we're on the same page. I, I agree with that one 100%. But also it goes back to where I also agreed with the one statement with uh, uh, the continuity, the, the canceled fights, this and that. Because those would have been those early victories that could have propelled him more into a shining light or something like that. And uh, so it goes hand in hand. He has to have a defining fight where he he either picks himself up off the canvas or he, he comes back and he looks good against a, a recognized fighter. And that defining fight will people will win. He'll win hearts. He'll win this and that if he should prevail and come through on a big level. But like I said, like you said, if he takes his fight and humbles himself and gets in the ring with Anthony Joshua, as you so well clearly stated, this will boost his bench level up tremendously because now he's a well, he's fighting on a big stage against a big name, and he will make more than two million dollars a fight. After the, all is said and done, no matter what he does against Anthony Joshua, win, lose, or draw. And the two fights that he can have with Anthony Joshua with the rematch clause in place, it should be enough for him to retire. But it won't be because he got an ego. He's still able to fight, and he'll be able to do it. So I, 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 I agree. Yeah. Oh, well, at least we agree I, on I, that. I just put uh, extra words in there. I got an update. Uh, Devon <laughs> Alexander, it was announced over the weekend. He's taking on Victor Ortiz, February 17th. Um, this sounds to me like uh, this is uh, the winner gets to move forward, the loser. This is his last chance of chances. What do you think? Yeah, I think you're right. I think this is it. This is the put up or shut up. This, that, that's what this is. Yeah, well, um, I think that uh, I think that, you know, neither one of these guys um, – have proven that they uh, they belong in the mix with anything, but I guess if they fight each other, the winner gets a shot. I don't know. Winner gets to go on, the loser gets to become an opponent. I don't know. We got a couple of email, a bunch of emails, and if we don't get to all of them today, we'll uh, read them the rest of them on Wednesday. As a program, you know, we will not be doing a live show tomorrow, uh, but we will be here for the rest of the week. Now, next week we're off, and the reason is because I'm heading south to uh, St. Simon's Island for our next event. That's why I keep saying it's next week, Sal, because as far as yes, I'm concerned. Yes, I understand what right. you're saying. I it's know. at the end of next week. Yeah. No, we got to go, go to the end of this week. So, yeah, I guess you – wow, is that the time? Boy, well, we don't have to – This year's you know, going right you, by. Why don't you – yeah, this year's over already. <laughs> this year's over already. Remember when it was 2018? <laughs> but, uh, hey, listen, I want to announce that we finally – uh, we'll, we'll be doing, I told you guys you're going to be seeing and hearing about some new segments we're, we're coming on. Oh, uh, a couple of good, new, uh, good news stories I want to tell you. Number one, the return of Larry Hazard. He will be back on this show on Wednesday, uh, so we're looking forward to that. Um, our next um, new segment that you're going to see uh, is called Billy C's Magic Boxing Machine. And the first fight we're going to put on there one that we all agreed on, Roberto Duran against Julio Cesar Chavez oh, Sr. at lightweight. Uh, Sal and uh, Dax and Alex Papali and myself will uh, break down those fights, give you our opinions, and let the computer uh, tell us who would have won the fight. 
Uh, at first, wow. we are doing this segment once a month. This one will be our first one. Look for it to uh, appear on this show on Thursday, January 25th. So a uh, little news uh, and notes for you there. Uh, the NFL playoffs started this weekend, the wild card. Uh, the Titans beat the Chiefs in the AFC. The Titans beat the Chiefs 22-21 to on a controversial call. Uh, but nonetheless, uh, the Titans move on. They get to play the Patriots uh, at the Patriots Stadium uh, this coming weekend. Uh, also in the AFC, the Jaguars and the Bills had a, I thought it was an entertaining game, low-scoring defensive game. The Jaguars came out on top 10-3. to The Jaguars punched a ticket to Pittsburgh as they play the Steelers next week. Now, the NFC, this first game was kind of a surprise to me. I thought the Rams were the real deal, but the Falcons uh, came from behind and won this game, 26-13. to The Falcons, they go to Philadelphia to play arguably the best team in football, uh, the Philadelphia Eagles next weekend. And in another entertaining game, the Saints beat the Panthers. Now, this not only did they beat them 31-26, to this happened to have been the third time this year that the Saints met them and beat them. So congratulations. I am not a Cam Newton fan, uh, only because he went to Auburn and they beat up uh, my uh, my Alabama Crimson Tide, which I'll get to in a second. But as far as an athlete, uh, can anyone really top Cam Newton? I mean, he is a big uh, quarterback. He's He runs. He bruises linebackers when he runs. And he can throw the ball. A lot of people feel that he wasn't 100% this year uh, with an injury he sustained. Uh, so he'll get a chance to uh, get back on top uh, next year. But nonetheless, he made it to the playoffs. Uh, the Saints, they got to travel to Minnesota and play another uh, top team. These four teams that are, uh, uh, well, the teams that got the buys, the Patriots, the Steelers, the Eagles, and the Vikings, four good teams. Uh, it's going to be uh, hard for me to fathom the Patriots and the Steelers not being in the AFC Championship game and the Eagles and the Vikings not being in the NFC Championship game, but that's why we play the games. Speaking of Alabama Crimson Tide, tonight the national title game between the two uh, top college teams, at least that's the way it shook down. Uh, Georgia, 13-1, and who beat, um, who won the SEC title, their only loss coming at the hands of Auburn, takes on Alabama, who's 12-1, who squeaked into the BCS Championship Series, um, which I think they deserve to win. Uh, they came in as the fourth seed, and they lost to Auburn, too, their only loss. Uh, Georgia plays Alabama tonight on ESPN, <laughs> beginning uh, at uh, 8 p.m. It's a bittersweet game for me, Sal, I because <clears throat> I love both of these teams. My favorite college team is Alabama. My second favorite team is Boise, and my third favorite college team is Georgia. Now, I have a lot of college teams I like. As a matter of fact, I, I prefer college football now more than the NFL. I can't stand watching the NFL sometime with all the shenanigans that goes on. But what a game tonight. You got Georgia oh, with uh, an outstanding three-headed running back attack. Their defense is solid, uh, very solid, as, as I might add, add. They have uh, team speed. Uh, and they have Jake Fromm, who's the quarterback. And Fromm has uh, done everything right this year. He was a high school player last year, uh, stepped in for the injured 
uh, Jacob Easton, who in my opinion is an NFL caliber quarterback right now. And, oh, by the way, Georgia has the number one quarterback recruit already committed to them, uh, a, a collection of top-rated quarterbacks on the team uh, in Georgia. Now, Alabama, uh, Jalen Hurts is their quarterback. Uh, they, too, have a couple of good running backs. They got a great uh, receiver and a stifling defense who needed the rest in their game last week against Clemson. Uh, they showed that they had a lot of energy left in the tank. However, Alabama is short some key defensive players, which I think Georgia may be able to take advantage of. It's going to boil down to one thing in this game, ladies and gentlemen, and that's going to be uh, can Georgia basically stop Alabama's offense. And the reason why I say that, and Alabama's offense is not as explosive as Georgia's. However, the defense that Alabama is going to see in Georgia is the same defense they see every day in practice. The coach of Georgia was the defensive coordinator for Alabama. So I think that they're used to that. They're going to probably try to put together a game plan to keep Jake Fromm and that running back attack off the field. The speed leans towards Georgia in this game. I think Georgia is a faster team overall. If you get past uh, uh, Alabama, any of their players, they're not going to run you down. The key is going to be, can Alabama's defense stop the run and force Jake Fromm to throw the ball? And that might not be that great of a thing for Alabama. Keep your shirts on, ladies and gentlemen, because this is going to be a bond burner of a game. I can't wait for this game tonight, Sal. What's your thoughts? My thoughts are this. You know, I'm having my uh, annual Christmas party tonight. And uh, we're, we're <laughs> well, you know, because we had to take care of everyone else's Christmas parties that we hosted uh, going to Christmas. So we're having a Christmas party tonight, and we're going to be at Benny's Red Barn. And we're going to the old tree bar there where they have big screen TVs. We have a party 6 to 8, and then they're opening it up to the public. And we're going to see uh, the big game tonight on a big screen TV. And I can't wait for this game. I am a big Georgia Bulldog fan, obviously, and that was acquired when I moved here. And, and I'll tell you what, I am so electrified to the fact that this is a freshman quarterback who was playing high school football last year. Last week was a great contest, and they came back from a big victory, uh, for a big victory. And anytime Billy C., I see uh, whether it's a fighter getting up off the canvas like, uh, like uh, Anthony Joshua did against Klitschko, or whether it's a whether it's a, a baseball team like the Yankees coming back from a deficit in a World Series and, and coming forward back they, like they did in the 90s, or whether it's a, a football game like Georgia last week that were getting clearly clearly beaten about the first half and turned it around and probably had a, a lot of motivational speakers during that halftime. And uh, they came out and they just ran those points up on the board and ultimately – they did the overtime victory last week. When you got that much heart, that much passion, that much ability on those levels alone, I really feel that Georgia Bull the Georgia Bulldogs are going to win tonight and become the champion. Champions. It's a tough Thank one. You. It's a tough it's one. It's a tough one, but it's that's what great champions do. They want it tough. They don't want it easy. And they rise to the occasion. And I think Georgia has the momentum. I think they're going to rise to the occasion. And we're going to just say this. Go dogs! Well, um, it's a tough one for me because I love both teams. I know. However, I know. at the end of the day, my official pick 
because they've been there and done that, because they've been in the championship uh, series, at least the, the BCS, ever since they started doing it, and because I give the edge to a team that has been under the same guidance of Nick Sabian uh, for the whole time that they've been on that team. Every player on Alabama has been under the tutelage of Nick Sabian for their whole time at school. They can't say the same uh, for Smart because he's only been the head coach of Georgia for two years. His defense was his first act to get together. He's done it. They're big. They're strong. They, uh, they play very uh, physically, uh, which is fine for Alabama. I think this game is going to go back and forth. I really do. Uh, I think that what we see in this game uh, from the outset is what we're going to get. I don't think this game is going to have a chance to gel and, and morph into a, uh, you know, one team uh, outplaying the other substantially like you, like you alluded to with Georgia. They uh, played terrible in the first half and then came back and, and basically it was a tale of two teams uh, in the Oklahoma game. And then they ultimately went uh, into overtime with the fumble uh, by Michelle and then, uh, you know, double overtime victory in exciting fashion. You know, that very well may have been mentally their victory uh, for the season. Now they got to go fight a, a team that feels they've been dissed by uh, squeaking into the BCS, by not getting the recognition that they deserve. They played Clemson like they had that chip on their shoulder and don't think for a minute that they're not going to come in to play Georgia uh, with that same chip. This is a tough game. I'm officially picking Alabama. The point spread last I looked was Alabama favored by three and a half. I don't know if they're going to win by three and a half. Uh, I think that this game is going to boil down to the last possession. A field goal may win it. Uh, a point may win it. Um, you know, a defensive play is going to be the key. And I'm going with that Alabama defense, despite them missing, uh, you know, no less than three key players. I'm looking for Alabama to step up and, and win this game. This is going to be a great game. This is going to be one of those games that people talk about for years to come. All I could say to anybody that's uh, uh, a uh, football fan, whether you watch college or not, um, this is a game to watch tonight. And I wish I was down there with all the dog fans, man. I really do. Uh, but then again, I may not get out of there uh, in one piece. Alive. So. If, you, if you claim you want Alabama, you ain't leaving alive. <laughs> Listen, we're going to take a <laughs> short. Right. We're it's a tough crowd to walk into, Billy C. No, I know. Uh, I yeah, know. this is going to have all uh, – you know what? I'm excited about this. This is like uh, Muhammad Ali versus Joe Frazier third fight, and uh, we'll see what happens. All right, Maybe we're going to take like a break. That. When we come back, we're scheduled to have Dax Khan join us. He's going to give us his thoughts on the networks. Uh, and uh, how 2018 is going to shake out. Don't go nowhere. Billy C will be right back. Part of the Billy C Boxing Network. Check out BillyCBoxing.com now or feel the wrath of the mighty mustache. Oh, that hurts. Why are you doing that to my face? I hate you. I hate you. That's BillyCBoxing.com. Consider this your warning. Now back to talking Boxing with Billy C. He may not have an excellence in broadcasting award, but the night's still young. And he's got 
martinis. So you never know what may be by morning. By morning. It's Talking Boxing with Billy C. Talking Boxing with Billy C. Now back to Billy, Billy C. C. Interact with the show at BillyCBoxing.com. And we're back. You're watching and listening to the Billy C. Show. Glad you could be with us today. And uh, joining us right now to tell us uh, what he feels uh, is going to shake down with the television networks for boxing in 2018 uh, is uh, my man uh, Dax Khan. Good morning, Dax. Good morning. How is everybody today? It's good. You said you were, it's cold down there? How cold? Oh, it's freezing. Last night it was below zero. Um, during the day it wasn't so bad. We got to about 17. Um, right now it's freezing outside, but it's supposed to snow later on, which means it's going to get a little warmer. Yeah, it's it's already snowing here. and We uh, we hadn't been above zero in, in a couple of weeks. It was 20, 20 below yesterday, man. Yeah, no, and that's no, 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 no. This is no wind chill. This is just regular, and uh, the wind—the wind wasn't as bad as up here as it was down by you. For some reason, uh, you guys got the, a lot worse wind than we did. But uh, but Sal says he misses it, Dax. I, I'm, I miss the. Wind I, I vote for let's send I, all this I, I crap get, to him. Get a warm breeze, you know. Let's send Maybe it to him, it. Dax. No wind chill. You know, Sal. I've been thinking about trying to open up a little pizza place, you know, and I could uh, probably use some practice first at jumping into it. And you know what? You can come up here. I'll go down there, and you know. Absolutely. Come on down here. I need extra hand. Timeshare. Yeah. Hey, reason. let me guess, Dax. You'll go down there in the winter and you'll be Without back of it. Yeah. There you go. <laughs> Dax. You know, I am thinking about franchising. So we can open up something up north too. And uh and I would and, love to and read. Dax can manage the restaurant. Hey listen, now. hey listen, Dax. <laughs> let me let me give you a little hint with, with Sal. Sal thinks about things and it takes ninety seven years for it to him to pull the trigger. So don't, don't count on it. Don't count on it. Hey, um so so uh, Dax, you were talking about uh television networks and uh you, you wanted to give us your thoughts on on maybe some uh long shots to, to make uh a play this year in, in the sport of boxing. What's your thoughts on on how they all shake out? All right. Uh, first, you know, we we said uh, we know this has been boxing been slow. It's been a slow week, but uh, you know, some real news that uh, is definitely something we should talk about. Considering over the last years, uh, Bill, on here a lot of times we talk about. And, you know, throughout the sport, you know, we've always wondered what happened to the gyms when every neighborhood used to have their own gym. Some neighborhoods had two gyms. You know, remember that. And, uh, you know, boxing gyms were, were fluent. And, you know, we were hoping they were going to make a comeback. And then, you know, just last week, you know, there was a report that, uh, you know, former Olympic gold medalist uh, Paul Gonzalez, you know, he's arrested, you know, working at the Eddie Herrera Boxing Club. But now, you know, um, he's under eight felony accounts of inappropriate sexual conduct towards the children that he was training in this gym. Well, that doesn't help. Wow. No, it, it doesn't. And, and, you know, it's high profile. You know, uh, you know, it was a 13-year-old girl who came out. And, uh, you know, her and her family, you know, are the ones who went out and, and reported this to the authorities. And then more people came about, you know. So, you know, this this is not good for the sport, considering that right now they're trying to make, you know, a surge. You know, and Gonzalez is a guy who was almost like a folk hero over in uh, Los Angeles. Now, 
you know, you know he was the first Mexican-American to win a gold medal. Um, I still remember him being on the podium, you know, with tears, holding the flag, you know. Uh, you know, that year when uh, the Olympics were in Los Angeles was, was phenomenal. It was probably wow. one of, if not the best, U.S. Olympic team we ever had. That year, you know, we had uh, Meldrick Taylor and Jerry Page, uh, Mark Breland, Frank Tate, uh, Virgil Hill, Henry Tillman, Tyrell Biggs, Evander Holyfield. Uh, you know, all won these belts. Um, and here in, in New York, Bill, uh, Ray Rivera, you know, from down in Newburgh, you know, he had guys like Orlando Del Val. He seems like he's trying to open up and work hard with these gyms and get something going. And what happens? He um, sits there and he gets in trouble for trafficking heroin. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, Rivera is a guy that, you know, we have to, you know, wonder sometimes it seems that even when these gyms, the ones that are making a comeback, 75% of them are with guys who have no business being around gyms. And then you know, get somebody like Gonzalez and something like this happens, whether or not how it turns out in the end, this really turns these young kids and the families away from the sport. You know, Ray Rivera, that's a guy, you know, he's trafficking heroin. Meanwhile, he gets his uh, one prospect, Orlando Del Valle, who was a hot prospect at the time, a shot against Victor Chinian, who was still a relevant name. And me and Alex Pierpoli are sitting there watching ringside as Ray Rivera's texting on his cell phone as his fighter's inside the ring. Wow. Yeah, well, you know, do we need to have some sort of background checks on these trainers, on these people that open up these gyms? You know, do they probably? Need to I think it should, it should all go. Well, I said a long time ago. I think that it should be. It should. They should have to go through some kind of training and everything else, um, because all it takes is a twenty-five dollar fee, and poof, you're you're a chief second. You know, at, at a commission. But so what? 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 What are you thinking about the TV networks? Um, I know I opened up the show. Uh, we were talking about the Anthony Joshua, uh, Joseph Parker, and one of the stumbling blocks right now is the, the tangled mess that the U.S. television has with those two fighters, one being Showtime uh, is owed one more fight for Joshua. Um, uh, HBO wants to make a, a run at, at uh, Joshua, big money deal, multi-fight deal that they already have in place with his promoter, Eddie Hearn and Danny Jacobs. And then, of course, the, the third shot, was uh, the fact that Bob Arum is part promoter, uh, co-promoter of uh, Joseph Parker, and he wants that fight on, on ESPN. You, you had some thoughts about even some other networks that are going to come into focus. Well, how do you think it's going to shake out? Well, you know, in 2017, in my opinion, and most of people's opinions, um, Showtime had separated themselves from the pack. Um, in 2017, they, they started out with Badu Jack and James DeGal. They had Santa Cruz versus Frampton, uh, Garcia versus Thurman, Linares Corolla II, uh, Brooks Spence, Russell Escadon, uh, Joshua Klitschko, uh, Mayweather McGregor, no matter what your opinion was on it. You had Lara Garcia. Gasha, maybe you didn't like all the fights, but, you know, these were uh, very relative main events. They drew in a lot of fans as of right now. Already, just over these next two months, Showtime has uh, Claressa Shields and Tori Nelson this weekend. Uh, Shields is a big name. She, she draws in a lot of fans, even a lot of non-boxing fans. On the 20th, we have Spence versus Peterson. We have Robert Easter, Javier Fortuna. And then on the 10th, we have Lippinets and Mikey Garcia, Bartholomew versus Arecola. Um Then we have Garcia Rios. We have uh, David Benavidez and uh, Ron Ronald Gavril rematch for the super middleweight title. And then on HBO... We have uh, Matisse 
against uh, Kirim. We have Linares versus uh, Mercedo Gesta. Uh, we have uh, the Superfly 2 card. We have uh, Rugbisi and Juan Francisco Estrada. Kudras uh, versus uh, McWilliam Dororo. We have uh, Brian Valoria uh, defending his WBA title against uh, RDM Delkin. And then on the third, you have uh, Kovalev against uh, Mikolan. You have Bevel against uh, Barrera. April 28th, Danny Jacobs makes his comeback. And then on ESPN, we have Gilberto Ramirez against Habib Ahmed. We have uh, Jerwin uh, Encanis against Israel Gonzalez. Uh, uh, Beltran versus uh, uh, Moses. Yeah, Valdez versus Quig. Ramirez versus uh, Imam. And then here's the black horse. Be in sports. A lot of people, what's be in sports? This is this... Um, uh, Spanish sports channel that you know you do have to pay a little extra money for. I believe uh, Time Warner does it for two ninety nine. But already they started out their year uh, or this weekend with Cesar Juarez against Isaac uh, uh, Dogbo, uh, where that was an exciting fight. Dogbo pulled off uh, an upset. You have uh, Diego Haga versus Moises Fuentes. We have Miguel Burchow against uh, Christian Harris. We got Luis Neri uh, against Shinsuke Yamanaka. You know that's a rematch. We have uh, you know can these networks keep this up? You know, the the thing about being sports is they started to climb last year. They're actually a, a, a network that's out of the U.K., but they have an Espan, a, a Spanish version of the show that that was showing a lot of great fights last year. And I, and I hope you're right. I hope they do uh, take on more live events. I know, they, I know that they were showing some, uh, uh, you know, day behind or whatever, but I, I would love to see them uh, put more boxing on because they mostly show soccer. Uh, on on that network, but uh, what about network television? You think they're gonna throw their hat back in the ring? Right now, I think the network television is gonna be very leery because of what happened with the PBC. Right now, PBC is only on FS1, so a lot of networks are gonna be leery due to that. They they see what what happened and what took place, and then with so many other sports, especially seasonal sports, whether it's basketball or it's NFL or it's Major League Baseball, and then, of course, you always have NASCAR or horse racing, whatever the case may be, that are going to be guaranteed to draw in these viewers. So I think a lot of these networks are going to be hesitant to jump back in there seeing exactly what happened with the PBC. The ratings weren't that great other than, you know, a a few select events. So these networks are going to say to themselves, you know, boxing, as we always know, is a business you know what are we going to go with the guaranteed ratings or do we want to take a chance again i hope they do i hope they take... I, I hope so too but you know again it's um you know business you know you know what, what what's you know what it comes down to and the old saying one apple spoils the bunch and Heyman and the pbc their their uh their model just showed it wasn't successful and these networks can make more money other ways no what what happened with the al Heyman thing what people keep forgetting was Al Heyman threw all kinds of money at the networks to air the program. And the networks today would never turn down somebody paying them for content where they didn't have to worry about selling advertising, et cetera, et cetera. The misconception that everyone had was that, oh, it's on network television, blah, blah, blah. The plan that Al Heyman had was he had hoped to have the numbers so big that he would be able to come back and say to that same network, okay, I gave you that. I bought the time for that one. Now you saw all the numbers. You saw all the potential money that could be made. Now you pay me for my series. And they all laughed because the numbers were not as good as he thought. And the commercials, the uh, uh, sponsors, potential sponsors and advertisers just did not step up to the plate. And I, I think the reason for that 
is the lack of interest in the sport from the powers that be that make the decisions on where they want to uh, put the uh, uh, put their money. I think the best move for for network television, so to speak, uh, if you want to call it that, was the FS1 deal with Golden Boy to continue to put fights on on a regular basis. And we got to give Top Rank and Bob Arum credit for cutting a deal with ESPN. I know that's not Channel 2 or 4 or, you know, CBS, NBC, ABC, but most people have ESPN on their uh, ch- television dial. And I think that was huge for the sport, to be honest with you. It, it was. It was. But also uh, a lot of these cable companies, especially uh, Spectrum, since they stepped in and bought out Time Warner, they have been charging for channels like ESPN in certain areas, which is going to make it even more difficult. So to be on a channel, a CBS, NBC, you know, or something like that, or even a, a regular Fox channel would be huge for the sport. And forget about a regular series, even if, you know, maybe a once a month type thing, that, that would be huge for the sport and let it build slowly. You know, back in the day when I was younger, I remember that if it was on ABC in a wide world of sports, even if you didn't know boxing, you knew that this fight was something of relevance because it was on ABC wide world of sports. Right. Well, wide world of sports did everything. And that was, you know, the other, that was when boxing could be tied in with all the major sports. Now it's, it's not, you know, it's the redheaded steps down. That's more or less what I'm saying. You know, if they start out slowly, you know, throwing in, you know, a fight here and there, there, and and let it build up slowly instead of jumping all into one, which is kind of what happened with Heyman. And just as you stated, that's because Heyman was throwing out so so much money and not all the other promoters are going to be willing to either fork up that money or do they have all that money. So that'd be interesting. But right now, considering what we already have on tap on the networks we spoke about and what happened last year, can they can they um you know keep up that momentum? Will they keep up that momentum? Will the promoters uh you know keep continuing working with them to make sure that they're providing these fights for these networks? Because if these networks continue to do well like this, that's gonna kind of you know budge you know maybe tell these uh, you know these mainstream channels, these network television as we call it, the ones that are available to everybody to say maybe we should uh, start doing this. Uh, you know, Showtime and CBS, you know, they are the same company, so maybe they'll decide, okay, now let's put this on our regular CBS channel and see what happens, and the other uh, networks will start to run with it. I'm curious to see what happens, and right now, because there's so much momentum, is the time to see these networks to do it, and the time to where they would more than likely have the most success. I think that boxing is going to find its niche. I said this several years ago, and I still believe that that's the case. It's going to find its way outside of traditional television. It's going to, it's already there on streams, internet streams, etc. You mentioned uh, yourself the other day in our meeting uh, about you know internet television with with today's younger generation and how they wa- what they watch and how they watch it. Um, that's where boxing. You see, that's where the promoters messed up. The greed factor uh, was was evident. A promoter that, and, and Sal and I talked about this, and this is why I say Sal doesn't pull the trigger, but we talked about this several years ago. We could have done something, and, you, you and, and it could, could have been it could have been running the sport of boxing right now in terms of visibility, but yet everybody had to go and chase those pay-per-view models. It wasn't the $9.99 you had to pay because people don't care if they're paying $9.99 or $99.99. If the fight is worth it, they're going to pay for it. What you needed to do was offer the fights for free, Build, it's similar to what Al Heyman was trying to do, 
but build up a, an audience that's worldwide, that's an infinite amount of people. And then the advertise would have come because the numbers don't lie. Everybody looks now, we were, we were quoting numbers, Twitter followers for, for popularity between Deontay Wilder and Anthony Joshua earlier. You know yourself, Dax. You and I have talked about it 100 million times about how terrible Lou DiBella is in terms of promoting his fighters. He signs them and does nothing for you. You know, uh, uh, Lamanakis uh, is one good example in female world. You know, it, it's just, uh, it, it's just a, the greed factor. And, and I'm not suggesting it could be fixed with a magic wand because it can't. Uh, but it's a shame because uh, boxing could be uh, at our fingertips a lot easier than it is right now. Right now it could be. Another um, hot topic is Dana White and Bob Arum, you know, with Dana White ent entering the boxing business and people saying, no, he's going to fail. On this show, if we go back a couple of years, I said on this show, if Dana White should ever enter the boxing business, it would take him just a matter of two or three years to actually become the biggest promoter in the sport. And people say, no, because look how little he pays the MMA fighters. No, because they do this. And no, boxing fans don't want to do that. Dana White wasn't, isn't going to come into the sport and try and follow the same uh, type of mold. Dana White knows that uh, fighters get paid differently. Dana White is a smart guy. Dana White built that company off of the internet when nobody else would broadcast the UFC. When Senator John McCain called uh, MMA or the UFC in particular human cockfighting and none of the networks wanted to go against him, Dana White took to the internet. He took to streamings on small channels even before uh, social media, Twitter, or should I say uh, Facebook or any even, even YouTube became as big as it was and that's how he built that company up and the more that interest grew and then all of a sudden you know he's found his small niches on pay-per-views and then he started building that up globally when boxing in new york was at a standstill just a year ago because of this one million dollar insurance policy who was throwing fights in new york the ufc was doing that why were they doing that because dana white knows how to capitalize on these things now boxing why they're a step behind i don't know maybe it goes a lot to what you always say how promoters don't promote anymore which is you know actually true why are they always waiting for somebody to set the model why they sit there and they are willing to do something after that model's already set and then take credit for it. Al Heyman, as much as we bash him, as much as we dislike him, I have to give Al Heyman credit for at least one thing and saying, you know something, he went out there and he took a chance. Yeah, sure, great, Al. It wasn't your money. You didn't have a lot to lose on <laughs> exactly. that. But he did go out there and he did try and take a chance. And some of these promoters need to take a little bit of a chance. Perhaps, you know what, lose a few dollars if you want to make a few dollars. You have to invest money to win money and, you know, to make money. And some of these promoters today are just not willing to do that and once a, um, a you know Bob Arum is you know out of this sport for for good, you're going to have um, you know Eddie Hearn right now seems to be the leader in the market on uh, innovation and really uh, taking control of things because the U.S. promoters are following the same old plan no matter how unsuccessful. You know, you're right. You know, Al Heyman didn't take any chance. He used everybody else's money. He was a spender. He was a spender. You know, that's funny because that's a hundred percent. A hundred percent true, but uh, uh, anyway, and you know what, Sal, I, I kind of take it, you know, what Dax just said, did you hear how he slipped in there? You know, like you always say, uh, promoters don't promote, and that's actually true. Whoa, 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 was Dax insinuating that I don't say true things, Sal? 
No, not at all. <laughs> not, that's not what I got. I don't that. know. I see a subliminal message in there from my man, but uh, uh, no, anyway. I mean, you know, Deontay Wilder, you know, as far as today's topic, Deontay Wilder, I see a lot of frustration in him. And because of how he's promoted and because of the way he has been presented, uh, we, we mentioned Lou DiBella, the person that sent in the email or that article that you read, they said uh, that person mentioned uh, Lou DiBella and the PBC not promoting him right, which is correct. Remember, Lou DiBella had one of the best fighters in this sport that we've seen in 20 years. He had Sergio Martinez when he was the lineal middleweight champion of the world. Sergio Martinez was without question a top three pound for pound fighter for those several years. And when did you hear about Sergio Martinez? You didn't hear about him when he was in negotiation for a fight. You didn't even hear about uh, anything when he signed the fight. When you heard about Sergio Martinez from Lou DiBella was only the week of the fight. And that's because DeBella was trying to sell tickets. It's not because he was trying to promote Sergio Martinez. So, you know, Deontay Wilder is in, you know, somewhat of a similar situation. Same thing with the um, if I was black comment. I think that was taken out of context. I don't think he was trying to insinuate that, well, if I was black, things would be different. Deontay Wilder's no idiot. He realizes Floyd Mayweather, the highest grossing fighter of all time, was black, obviously. Mike Tyson, you know, one of the most, or if not the most popular fighter of all time, you know, was black. You have uh, Errol Spence, you know, numerous fighters. You can name so many that that are all of color. But I think that, uh, you know, he's just thrusting his frustrations out in so many different directions because he's not really sure on who, on who to blame. Maybe he blames himself a little bit. But I also think Deontay Wilder, because of his promoter, because of the PBC, where a lot of the PBC fighters, not just Deontay Wilder, but even the Charlo brothers um, and Adonis Stevenson, even though Adonis Stevenson gets a lot of his, deserves a lot of this criticism that comes to him, they've all lost favor with the, the fans, even PBC fans, due to the fact on how they're marketed and how they're presented, and Deontay Wilder's stuck in that situation. When you look at Deontay Wilder, his resume is not as bad as you think it is. And Anthony Joshua, again, that's something I said on this show after the Dominic Brazil fight, and I even said it on this show after he won the title against Charles Martin. Anthony Joshua, in my opinion, is going to mirror Lennox Lewis very soon, and he's going to get upset, and he's going to lose to one of these guys he thinks he's not going to lose to, and Joseph Parker just might be that guy. He already, Anthony Joshua, is looking past Joseph Parker. He's already talked about well, if Deontay Wilder isn't going to sign to unify these titles after I beat Joseph Parker in March, they're going to fight Alexander Povetkin. What's wrong with that? You're already looking past Joseph Parker. He is the weakest link in the heavyweight division. We know that in terms of champions. But you can't go and look past a guy like Joseph Parker, who is a genuine heavyweight puncher. And when you look past somebody like Joseph Parker for something that comes up next, forget about... Um, Anthony Joshua, but the last two most dominant heavyweights in boxing and two of the most dominant heavyweights in the history of the sport, Vladimir Klitschko when he lost to Corey Sanders and Lennox Lewis when he lost to Oliver McCall. They lost their belts doing the exact same thing and behaving, conducting, and thinking the exact same way Anthony Joshua is right now looking past Joseph Parker. Good point. Interesting. Good point. Dax, I appreciate your time today and uh, we'll be looking forward to you next time. I know we're off next week. But uh, we'll try and get you in uh, on Friday if you're available. And uh, can't wait to kick off the new series at the end of the month. So uh, we'll be talking to you soon, brother. Absolutely. Looking forward to it. And that first one's going to be, you know, that's a smoker. Duran versus Chavez Sr. Love it. Love it. Love that. All right, Dax. We'll talk to you later. Enjoy the day. All right. Stay warm. That's uh, Dax Khan. You can check out his column up on BillyCBoxing.com. 
And uh, for all the affiliates right now, radio and TV, we are not taking a break here. And the reason is because I got a bunch of emails I want to try and get to. Now, we're not going to be able to get to them all, Sal, uh, but we are going to uh, pick up uh, with a couple of these um, from uh, uh, next time we come back on, which is Wednesday. So uh, first one is from my man, Joel. He says, hey, Billy C. and Sal, uh, welcome back. Uh, was glad to have you back to start the new year last week. Hope you guys enjoyed your holidays. Uh, uh, these questions are for both of you guys. First off, as we begin 2018, which promoter do you think is the most powerful or having the most success as we speak? Um, right now, I believe it's Eddie Hearn. I mean, you could make the argument that uh, it's top rank or, or even golden boy. Uh, but uh, but I think Eddie Hearn is, is the most powerful global promoter right now and like i've stated in the past sal i would love to see floyd mayweather and mayweather promotions get serious about the promotional aspect uh, of that company uh, right now uh, it's basically i don't know a joke really because uh mayweather promotions was just floyd and you know floyd's traveling the world i'm seeing all kinds of stuff with him and uh doing this doing that investing now he wants you to skate uh, coach sent me a, a link he wants to. He's opening up a skating rink in in uh, Michigan, and he's charging fifty or sixty bucks to skate with him. I mean, uh, come on, this is a guy who made a hundred million dollars oh, yeah. in the ring. He's got to charge somebody fifty bucks to skate with him. Uh, that's a joke. But uh, I I would like to see Mayweather Promotions be more uh, in the fr- forefront. But right now, I believe uh, Eddie Hearn and Match uh, uh, Matchroom Sports. What, what what do you think? Well, you got to also throw up there Golden Boy. Right. Um, I, yeah. Yeah. Right. But, but, I mean, do you uh, think they're the most powerful? No, no. I think Eddie Hearn has a lot of leverage on his side. I think uh, a lot of what, what is being done is uh, through Eddie Hearn's uh, connections and, and uh, leverage in the sport of boxing right now. Uh, I also, you know, you, you have all the ones that we've, we've been uh, enduring for the last 20, 30 years. You know, top rank, main events, uh uh, some of these are going to wayside. I mean, Don King Promotions, uh, they're, they're, you know. Well, the, their... the question was, who do we thought was the most powerful? I think Eddie well, Hearn. Eddie Hearn. Okay. Eddie Hearn uh, right now. I think Eddie se- Hearn. I agree with the, you there. The second question was, I was curious uh, about your thoughts on Fedor uh, Chudanov, uh possibly now facing Bobby Gunn Jr., on the Gassiev Dortikos undercard in February. I read Bobby Gunn Jr. is ranked 12th by the WBA, while Federer is ranked number three. No disrespect to Bobby Jr., but he's fought a journeyman named Guy Parker twice and a bunch of guys making their pro debuts, along with a 45-year-old Mike Miranda, who had a padded record of 44-7. and seven. This is such a joke. What do you guys think? Um, first and foremost, I, I, Bobby Gunn Sr., uh, is a great guy. I've, I've I know him very well, but Chudanov against Bobby Gunn Jr. is a joke. And you know, doesn't the ranking uh, of him being ranked twelfth um, by the sanctioning body WBA say it all, Joel? I mean, come on, uh, it's a joke. What do you think, Sal? Yeah, I think so. I agree with you one hundred percent. And no disrespect to the fighter. I mean, it's not his no, fault. No. Again, it falls back not to what we fault. say, not right? the fighter's fault. Yeah. I mean, the no. fighter is supposed to fight whoever they put in front. It's the management's uh, uh, fault when they don't increase the level of opposition. So this kid has never had a chance to get better. No, and I agree. And that's, that's the progression you 
give a, a young fighter along the pathway. So when he does evolve and he gets thrown in the ring against a top uh, level opponent, he's going to be able to know where he is and then look look like he has the wherewithal to beat him. This next email is from my man Coach. He says, "Hey Billy C, did you read bought and paid for Freud Mayweather's latest rant?" about wanting his face on the four world title belts. He said, and I quote, I got the emerald, this is uh, uh, Floyd, I got the emerald belt, I got the money belt, they create belts, The name they named a belt after me, the money belt. As a matter of fact, I'm letting the WBC know right now, I want all the fighters to petition, I want my face on the WBC belt, and I need my face on the IBF, the WBO, and the WBA belts. I need my face on all the belts. The Godfather's face should be on the belts. Unbelievable. I, I, yeah, listen, I, one of my I, biggest, biggest hang-ups wow. uh, in, in, in boxing is the fact that fighters go and use media as a vehicle to promote themselves um, when, it, when it's based on recognition, Okay. One of, Dax mentioned Lennox Lewis earlier. I didn't, never liked Lennox Lewis. You mentioned Larry Holmes. I never liked Larry Holmes. The reason why I didn't like these guys during their career, now I have since put them where they belong historically yeah, on my list because I give them both the credit that they deserve yeah. now. Uh, but both fighters did something that I can't stand, and Floyd's doing it right now. They're crying into the mic saying they need recognition. The beauty of the sport of boxing is that boxing automatically gives you the recognition if you perform. The thing about Floyd Mayweather, you could say what you want about his 50-0. You could say what you want about him making all the money. You could say what you want about his cherry picking. No matter what you say, the facts are facts. He was never an exciting fighter. I shouldn't say that because he was exciting in the beginning of his career. But at least for the last 15 years, he was not exciting, even a little bit exciting. The guy... In my opinion, um, just like uh, Coach is suggesting, it is more of a fraud. And, and I don't mean that because of his ability, because he clearly had the ability. I mean with where he thinks he sits in all-time greatness. He's not the best fighter ever. He's number 25 on my book right now. But I wait five years until uh, the, you know when they fought their last fight. But I certainly am not giving him much credit for beating Conor McGregor. The only uh, place that his face should be on, Sal, in my opinion, is a milk carton. I think Floyd Mayweather's face should be on a milk carton. Missing. Can't find him. That's where I think. What do you think? <laughs> well, you know, I'll tell you what. This, what came first, the chicken or the egg? You know, the, the world championship belt, or belts as we have to feel uh, our way through the maze today, transcends any single fighter it is it is the coveted declaration that you are the best fighter in your division in the world today even though they're saturated with multiple belts so to have an ego so big that you think you want to place plaster your name or your face on this coveted belt to identify and recognize you and associate it with a world champion forevermore. I, you know, I don't even, I, I will never look at another fight again if that so happens to be what's granted. I, I think, I think that is pathetic. I think, as you just said, uh, 
uh, I'm with you on the same thing, same page with, with Lennox Lewis and Larry Holmes. Uh, I respect these fighters now. I love what they did in their career when they were there, but at the time, I didn't really warm up to them or follow them for that reason because their skill level may have been one thing, but when they were whining and, and moaning that they want recognition, they want respect, uh, other than just earning it in a ring for themselves, they had to use the, the, the media to try and uh, demand it. That turned me off. Well, Floyd Mayweather turned me off right now just by thinking that his name and his popularity and his ego is as big as a world-coveted championship belt. That that just it discredits the belt. It discredits him. I, I I'm, I'm furious. I would never want to see that. Well, the truth of the matter is, is you know there are other pictures of fighters on the belts. And, well, and I the, know that. And, and the thing is, is that Floyd Floyd. Uh, but to demand it. Right. Floyd's picture would most likely end up being on a belt. Yes. Um, but for him to go out and demand it and then request other fighters to start a petition, you know, that, yeah. that's suggesting that you think that all the other fighters put you on a pedestal. All the other fighters put him on a pedestal because they wanted to fight him. They wanted yes. to make the money. You know, they wanted to prove that they were better than him. He dodged a lot of fighters throughout his career. We got an yes. email last week uh, showing... That the guy never fought, or uh, you know, a real unification fight. He always picked the lesser, uh, the weakest opponent that he possibly could, uh, at least in the last ten or fifteen years. Uh, so, I, I, listen, is he a great fighter? Yes. Is he an all-time great? Yes. You know, is he going to be in the Hall of Fame first ballot? Yes. Is he the best fighter of all time? Absolutely not. Um, well, I, I go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, and, and you're right. I mean, when John L. Sullivan's picture's on a belt or when this one's on a belt, that's fine. But it, it got there because the powers that may be felt these fighters earned their place. So, you know what? I'm sure one day, whatever, uh, Floyd might humbly be be uh, plastered on there as well. One or two. Who knows? This is but why. To insist on it. Floyd's ego is why he won't right. be successful with Mayweather promotions. No, you're if, if right. His, he if, never wants to... if he would let his ego go yes. and yes. and and use everything that he, he made, not everything, but use a portion of what he made in the sport and create an empire. He could have Mayweather promotions could be the biggest promotional company that the world has ever seen. But in order for it to be successful... Floyd has to let his ego take a backseat. And that's something that Floyd has not been able to do throughout his career. That's why we're going to see Floyd Mayweather back in the ring at some point. He's going to get back in that ring and get his ass kicked. Because at some point, even him cherry-picking somebody else, it's not going to work for him. You watch. You watch. He's got, he's got five years to wait to get in the Hall of Fame. If, if first ballot, stay out of the ring for five years. That's that's the, the, the question. Can Floyd stay out of the ring for five years? I don't know. Um, I got a couple of more emails that we're going to save for the next show. One, um, just so you guys are listening, you know I got the emails and we will read it. Uh, from my man uh, Jeff uh, from Pennsylvania. He's got one with the subject uh, um, Larry Holmes. Uh, so uh, I, I, we'll read that one next time. And this one, I, I, you know, I can't wait to read. This one's from my man, Will. Uh, Willie, I should say, uh, who likes uh, uh, to watch cockfights. Uh, but uh, Willie gave me some quotes 
We were talking about the good, the bad, and the ugly last week. Gave me some quotes oh, wow. for when they were hanging Tuco, Sal. And I, I, <laughs> I, I can't, I can't wait to read it. We'll, we'll read oh. those two emails on Wednesday. Uh, but the last email I'm going to read today uh, is uh, uh, the second one from uh, my man Coach. The second half of uh, Coach's email. Uh, he says, "How about Freddie Roach doing his WWE name recognition play, uh, working with?" Now, Coach said Adam Kaunaki, but he 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 made a mistake. It's it's actually a uh, Lago uh, Daisy uh, for his upcoming fight with Adam Konaki. It reminds me of Roach working with Brian Minto to give legitimacy for his fight against Chris Ariola, who was rebounding off of Vitali Klitschko stoppage loss. What's your thoughts? Um, my, my my thoughts here are that you know. No disrespect to Freddie Roach. I know he's won Trainer of the Year several times. But to be honest with you, I think Freddie Roach is an extremely overrated trainer. I think he's a very one-dimensional trainer. Um, I think that uh, his success story, you, you can almost make a parallel between him and my friend Kevin Rooney. Both of them had extreme success with one fighter. Uh, but their ability to uh, harness a fighter's individual strengths and weaknesses and create a successful fighter is where they fail. In other words, Kevin Rooney could not make Mike Tyson style out of every fighter that he tried to work with, and he did. I remember going into the gym in the Catskill and even watching everyone. They could be nine feet tall doing, uh, you know, bobbing and weaving, you know, uh, or fighting short. And, and Freddie Roach is no different. He had Manny Pacquiao. Manny Pacquiao is an offensive-minded fighter, which worked great with Freddie Roach. But Freddie Roach has proven that that same mentality, unless he's got a, a similar fighter to Manny, just never worked. The guy didn't know anything about defense or doesn't use it, or he uses offense as defense. And the communication issue, hey, I'm not afraid to say it, the communication issue that Freddie has um, is hard uh, for fighters to understand uh, in the heat of battle, at least the perception to me is. And then he also even throws in another wrench. He works with fighters that don't even speak English, so he's got to have an interpreter in there. Nah, I think Freddie Roach is, is uh, a hired gun. I agree with Coach here that he's a name. They're throwing in to try to uh, justify the fight. But uh, Freddie Roach, despite all his success, I believe he's a one-dimensional uh, trainer and grossly overrated. What do, what do you think, Sal? I do, and I have thought the very same for many years. Um, I, you know, I, I respect Freddie Roach. I admire Freddie Roach. But do I think he's the end-all to all trainers and, and, and uh, an automatic uh, uh, trainer for every champion? No, I do not. Uh, I think Freddie Roach has, has limited uh, – uh, ability on a lot of levels, but I, I think he is a good, solid trainer. I think he he is 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 good for several fighters, but he's not the kind of kind of trainer that that is going to make a, every fighter fight to his best capabilities. And um, uh, in all due respect, Freddie, uh, I think you're a great man, and uh, I wish you the very best. But uh, yeah. I, I think a lot of the reasons that you mentioned are one of the reasons why I don't think he's the greatest trainer out there. 
Don't forget to join Sal and myself January 19th at the Sea Palms Resort for our next Billy C. Boxing get-together. It's our holiday after the holiday party. Uh, so get a hold of the Sea Palms. Go to seapalms.com and uh, reach out to them. Tell them you want to be part of the Billy C. event on Friday, January 19th. And don't forget, make a weekend of it. Uh, great golf to play. Come on down early and uh, hang out with Sal and myself at Sal's uh, restaurant. I'll be the guy uh, drinking scotch and stuff in my face at the bar. <laughs> um, on this day in boxing history, January 8th, uh, in 1975, Miguel Canto wins a 15-round decision over Shoji Aguma to win the WBC World Flyway title. It took place in Japan. On this day in the year 2000, Johnny Tapia wins a 12-round decision over Jorge Jorge Alessier Julio uh, to retain his WBO World Bantamweight title, and that took place in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Talk about having gyms, uh, multiple gyms in one town. Uh, Albuquerque is really, uh, a pl there's a plethora of gyms. You, you could see boxing gyms, two on the same street. Uh, I was shocked to see it. Talk, talk about the mecca of boxing, Albuquerque, New Mexico, a hidden gem. Uh, FYI there. On this day in 1995, former world middleweight champ and boxing Hall of Famer Carlos Monzon died uh, in a car accident, uh, returning to prison while on furlough uh, from his conviction of killing his common uh, law wife. He had a career record of 87 wins, 58 coming by knockout with three losses and nine draws. He was inducted into the International Boxing Hall of Fame in 1990. He was 52 years old uh, when he uh, died uh, on that day. Uh, and, you know, for some reason I thought it was uh, earlier than 95. But, uh, but uh, geez, that was uh, a long time ago anyway. And finally on this day, January 8th in 1789, Jack Broughton, who was considered the father of boxing, died at 85 years old. He's credited as the first guy to set up a boxing school to teach the sport of boxing. He set up Broughton's rules in 1743 after he himself killed a man inside the ring. His rules stayed in effect for almost 100 years when they were finally replaced by the London Prize rules in 1838. Uh, Jack Broughton, 85 years old, was a fence. He was uh, into fencing and uh, tied wow. the two sports together and uh, started boxing. So a uh, little history there. Interesting. Hey, interesting. I, I often wondered about fencing because you could jow, you know, you're doing this. It's like a jab and, you know, very interesting. Yeah, no, it's uh, Jack Broughton, the father of boxing. Hey, that concludes mm. our show for today. Make sure there's no sh live show tomorrow, but make sure you tune in Wednesday morning. Same bat time. Same bat channel. Until then, I'll leave you with this. Ciao, baby.